Today's episode is brought to you by Harry's Razors. Visit harrys.com today and get $5 off your purchase by using the promo code BCPOD. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, punks? We're back from our trip. That's right. I'm back in my wife's closet on a Sunday night again. My name is Matt. We had a kick-ass time on our tour of Florida doing BC Pod shows live. Thank you, everybody, that came out to that. Particularly special was the show we did in Tampa with Under Oath for the premiere of their new movie. We got to interview them and do a Q&A and a BC Pod Live episode there on stage at the State Theater, and we're going to be airing that on Thursday, so stay tuned. That's a good one. All right, the most important thing that I'm going to devote the rest of this intro to is the best screamo band of all time. They're called Emory. Yes, we're still a band. Yes, we're still making music. Yes, that Emory, the one from, you know, when you were in high school. No, we didn't break up. No, we're not on hiatus. No, we didn't get real jobs and move on. No, we didn't bow out gracefully when we were on top. But you know what? It's paying off. Because we just made and are about to release our best album ever. That means new music. That means new tour dates. That means 10-year anniversary of The Question on tour. That's right. We're re-blowing up. We're revitalized. We're back. On fire. We've had over 33 trillion positive comments about our new record so far. Anyway, there's three things you need to know just to get in the loop. Number one, go to youwerneveralone.com. That's where you can pre-order the record. You'll, if you pre-order it, you'll get it really, really soon, like next week. Youwerneveralone.com. Bunch of good stuff over there. Vinyl. Lots of good stuff. Also, if you want to hear the record, you got to find the Break It Down podcast, where Toby and I go through the songs and explain them showing the old demos, the arrangements, and we play the tracks in their entirety. We're already on. We're already halfway through the record. So six of the songs you can hear right now on the podcast. Break it down with Matt Carter. And finally, Emory live. Go to EmoryMusic.com. See our tour dates. See the VIP packages. Come meet us. Come uh, see us play acoustic songs on our tour bus for you. We're going to be celebrating and playing through the question for this tenth anniversary, as well as playing new songs. Yeah. Pastor Joey Svensson. Uh, hold on for a second. Let me just reflect on the scripture. Okay, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Here we go now. It is the, the Bad, Bad Christian, Christian Podcast. It is so much fun. I'm having fun in the Bad Christian Podcast. Matthew 7 1, baby. All right. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. I enjoy that so much because I actually get to join in on the beatbox. Nice. Because it's in real time for me because we're in the same room. Live. So Same room. Hey, Mark Solomon's uh, dining room for yes. those of you that are old school, stave saker, crucified, neon horse fans. Yep. We're in the middle of our living room. Uh, what are we? We just got <laughs> finished with our uh, BC Pod live shows in Florida. We're staying at Mark Solomon's house tonight. We did the show in Orlando. This is t- Monday. Happy yeah. Monday, everybody. We've got drunk ex-pastors on the show today. Interesting group. Interesting group of fellas. I'm excited about that. I, you guys think that the live podcast went well? Yes, I yeah, love I doing the live podcast because it's uh, it's the the uh, it, the potential failure right of it because you can edit this but you can't 
edit in the room. It's live. Yeah. You just you got to do. You got to nail it. I get I get actual what I would consider close to stage fright about it, and it's I love it. Yeah, it's I such know. a rush. It is really a rush, and this is the first time we have ever gone on a tour and not carried a musical instrument with oh, us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right, right, right. We did a perform. We were performers yeah. last night, and it had nothing to do with music. Right. I mean, you guys did not get, perform music. So you, I still am a performer. Only this time, it's not music. So, were you nervous last night? I, yeah, I, I mean, not like you know, like it's like I remember pl- playing music originally. Like, oh, there's a crowd here. We got to play our parts. We got to yeah. do everything. What's going to happen? Like when we first started a band or, and doing shows, it was the way I would feel. Gotcha. And so, doing these live, I get that old feeling. Like I never would be get stage fright now. Like honestly, I believe if we played in front of ten thousand people or eighty thousand in a stadium, I wouldn't be nervous whatsoever playing an Emory show. As far as, I mean, I might be nervous that how right. th- what this means or something, but no- nothing about the performance. Yeah. it would be literally nothing. I would just play put my fingers where they go that's yeah. all that's all i do live but in the podcast is is super exciting so yeah. i'm i'm very happy that i don't have to sing i don't have to worry about it like it's really interesting like i actually uh, my wife for my birthday uh, uh, bought me some cigars i have a cigar every once in a while and i actually brought one on this trip because normally i would never be able to it, i would be worried about my voice and keeping mm-hmm. it up and being able to hit the high oh, notes and all that stuff right. but i enjoy occasional cigar when i'm at home and i, I was like i could bring the cigar and if there's time like when we're in tampa which is like a big time cigar area i was like i could go somewhere and smoke a cigar yeah and enjoy myself i was just like it was really interesting but um hey guys i was reading something and this kind of goes along with our sponsor today so i wanted to uh just go ahead and tell you all about it it was this was Are you on, trying to get extra news in or what yeah I, anytime I can, I try to bring in articles okay. and slip All them right. in there for you. This actually comes from... We'll Cro- let it slide since it's for a sponsor. Yeah, this comes from crosswalk.com, which I, I guess is a, maybe a Christian site. It's really funny, like uh, this slid in the cross there. But, you know, anyway, but I, I thought this was interesting. Our sponsors, are, maybe our longest sponsorship has been with X3 Watch, Um we really appreciate what they do. We really appreciate how much they've supported us and helped us do what we want to do. But uh, I thought this was interesting. It says, four phrases every man should tell his wife. Oh, let's and, hear that. And I was like, oh, man, maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be okay. But it was the first one is, I thought about you today. <laughs> <laughs> Number two was, let me watch the kids tonight. You deserve a break. Uh, three was, can I pray for you about that? And then four is, I'm turning off my phone and computer for the night, letting them know. So those are four things you <laughs> should tell them. There's some good stuff in uh, there. Okay, but how about this one? I'm horribly addicted to pornography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning it. No, no the last yeah, one is yeah. t- turn my phone off. And but the reason my- why is because if I will look at porn all <laughs> if I don't. I, I, I've been looking at that raw boobs for one hour. I'm turning my computer and phone off. Can right. I pray for you, by the way? I'm horribly addicted to porn and turning my phone off. Right. <laughs> so I just thought, I mean, like, these are nice, cute things to say, yeah. but you don't tell the truth all the time. And it's hard to say those real things. For the things that you should tell your wife are probably a lot deeper and more uh, time-consuming and all that stuff. These are kind of cutesy things to say that might might help you for the night, but a real conversation about struggles with pornography and what you can do about it would be just as helpful, if not more, yep. and getting that stuff out there, not being hidden, and that is what X3 Watch is all about, not being hidden. You get to have software on your computer, on your phone, yeah. accountability, that lets people know what you're looking at, and yeah. it really does help. It really does help. Even that idea of just, hey, somebody will probably see this, or even if you try to figure out a way around it or whatever it might be you are held accountable to i'm doing something i shouldn't be doing you at least it's in the forefront sometimes you can be so caught up in uh what you're doing and just oh it's not that big of a deal that's a second look oh that's just a a tight t-shirt on a girl on a sidebar on a website whatever and then it leads you down this road to where eventually you're looking at porn and it 
is a cycle that doesn't stop, and you need the accountability, and you need to be able to get it out there and talk about That's it. That's right. Tell your wife you'll pray for her. Also, get X3 Watch. You've, been, you've heard about this a ton. It's finally time to get it. Go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christians. Bring some accountability into your online life now, married or not. So guys, um, you guys know this, a lot of the listeners don't, but I've been working on a new podcast that I'm going to be doing and developing. So I've been listening to um, a lot of other podcasts. And yep. one thing that I, uh, I really do enjoy um, listening to podcasts of pastors, and they're usually just their sermons, but something has been, have, it's really neat when it's just the audio and you're just listening. It is almost unbelievable the way that pastors and speakers talk. It is not the way that you speak in the conversation style. Yeah, but that's why podcasting is, is good. Like, it's weird because sermons and a lot of stuff gets put on podcasts, but podcast is the place where you can kind of just talk regular kind yeah. of thing. But it's, it's weird right. because there's so many outlets and places in our media and culture and stuff where the, the way people talk is so, if you think about it, it's super bizarre. Yeah, but you, if you were in a, a, any setting outside a guy standing in a pulpit, it would almost be in, intense and scary the way that some of the pastors talk to you or creepy, <laughs> like whispers or, hey, how are you doing, the mountains? You can overcome So you're saying if you and, translate how they sound on stage to a one-on-one? Right, like if you were hanging out at Starbucks or a restaurant with some of these pastors, it would be really intense. And I'll even, I even have an example for you. I'm going to set the scene here. This is me and Pastor Mark Driscoll, sitting at Starbucks. Uh, he just walked into Starbucks, and we're going to have just a, a, a little nice time of hanging out and just talking about stuff. Hey, can I be sitting next to you? Yeah. All right, so this is Joey and I waiting at Starbucks for our, our good friend Mark Driscoll to come show up, and uh, just we're just going to hang out. <laughs> oh, there he is, Joey. Hey, hold on. Hey, Mark, come over here. Yeah, we got here We got here a little early, so we went ahead and got you a drink, man. I hope that's okay. Hey, Mark. How dare you? Whoa. Hold on, Who the hell do you think you are? I just, oh, I Lord. Just, sorry, bro. Abusing not a, a woman. No. Neglecting I, no. a woman. It's a coffee. Being a coward. No. Dude. Oh, a fool. You know my wife, Jessica. Being like your father, Adam. No, my dad's Tommy. Who <laughs> do you think you are? Mark, it's you, me and Joey. Oh, my God. What? You're just a man. I know, dude. You're not an impressive man. No, I, You're not an irresponsible man. People are looking at us. You're not a noble man. I'm chill. You're not a respectable man. I'm, I'm sorry. You're not a responsible man go. in any regard. What? I don't care how successful Bro, you are. I, I'm, successful. I'm trying to just do okay. If you are a failure, I'm it not, clouds all of your dignity. You. It robs all of your masculinity. Bro. Okay. There is Go. no excuse dude. for a why are you doing this? You invited us here in a dishonorable, <laughs> disrespectful way. All right, buddy. We're, okay, just enjoy your drink. Enjoy your drink. Everything's okay. Just yeah, we can't we can't do that. So it's funny just because the way I mean, like you know, like it's so weird that those things are. I guess it's like I'm not trying to be postmodern, but it's like such a monologue and a and a performance kind of thing. Like I'm not I'm not saying this myself, but I was listening to Sam Harris and he was speaking about uh, public speaking. And he says that he, when he's doing public speaking, he's intentionally monotone and normal because he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to uh, be. He wants it to sound relatable, like you're talking, and which is what I like about about this, for yeah. instance, so much. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm get overanimated sometimes when I'm doing the intro to the show, even because I'm thinking I want it to be high energy. I want to nail the words. Right. I want to keep it moving. And I almost think maybe that's even too much. 
Yeah. But if anybody knows me, when I get animated during the middle of the show here, this is what I do when people are over at my house or whatever. Yeah. But it's weird because if you had even Martin Luther King, he would say, like over at your house, the way he talks is the best speaker possible or whatever. Right. If somebody spoke to you that way at a dinner party, it would have to be a madman. Yeah, it'd be like, super intense. It's just super weird. <laughs> All right, here's another pastor friend of ours, and we just wanted to meet him for a nice meal and uh, just hang out. Hey, bud. Man, I'm glad to see you. Uh, I kind of want to eat light. I'm glad we chose this place here um, because today I was eating hot wings, and I just got unreal indigestion. What is it about like hot sauce and, and Tabasco sauce that just causes so much indigestion? Because the enemy fears the greatness that burns inside of us. Well, I don't know about that. He's not really worried. (laughs) Satan's not worried about hot sauce, is he? I mean, I don't know for sure. But I mean, anyway, look at this menu, though. Golly, it's it's a little bit confusing. I don't know why they have so many options on it. I wish they were just like three things. That'd be way better. It's just kind of hard to read, don't you think? Do you know why the spirit of confusion comes against you? Well, it's a spirit. I just, because it's confused when you start walking in your destiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when you get okay, dude. And you start walking this, into it a little bit. But we're talking about a menu. that confusion because it's like, no, 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 no. It's not don't that big of a deal. That, whatever we do. All right. I just want a chicken sandwich. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> So I think that one thing that people will probably make fun of us is is that obviously you're right. There's a difference in speaking in front of people and a different tone you use. But I believe that the idea is your pastor is just in a conversational way having a conversation with the audience. And so this is a little bit, probably a lot even taken out of context, but it's funny. If somebody talked to you like this in real life, you would think they're creepy and weird and and over-spiritual and a kook. Let's do that Matt Chandler one. Okay, all right. <laughs> what is this? So you're meeting Matt Chandler, and he's going to, like, right. you're going to start make a babysitting ba- a service. Like, you're going to go into business with him to do, like, a babysitting service. Okay. Kind of thing. Right. So you're going to ask him about his, yeah. like, his kids, his family. Okay. Right. Hey, man, how many kids do you have? I have three myself. So. God, um, for whatever reason in his divine sovereignty, has right. trusted me with this. three small souls. Oh, okay. Uh, it's kind of two of those way souls to say it, but... are female, two little girls, and right. one of those souls is male, little boy. Same as me. Um, I actually have one two. one of the things that we're doing <laughs> uh, in my house, as I understand it from the Word yeah. of God, is we yeah. are um, raising my son to be a man, and right, we are, are you, raising are our pissed? daughters What's happening uh, here? to be women. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the end goal. I mean, they are men and women. You don't have to raise them that way. I'm oftentimes saying things like this. This is what men do, and I'll show him what men do. This is what a man does, and, right, and then Lauren and I uh, will. So my daughter's name is Ru- with me with the- my son. Yes, is what men do. Okay. This is what, so we're trying to make him Please, a man. We dear don't God, want him to be for the a boy who can oh, shave. Oh my! We feel like the world man. is already filled with those. <laughs> Mr. Chandler, son, to become one. Okay. So All here's right. what a man is, son. Here's All how right. a man behaves. Here's how Calm down, a man brother. submits okay. to authority. I get here's it. Your son, your son, your son. Okay, you're doing everything. <laughs> well, well, Matt, tell me a little bit about your daughter. I hear about your son. You're raising him to be a man. All right. Is your, uh, is your daughter's doing good? You're, I guess you're raising them to be women. Right? I don't want some bless your little heart daughter. I don't okay. want that. All right. I don't want some bless your little heart daughter. I don't want that. All right. Calm the hell down, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have something else I want to do. Make fun oh, of us. God. 
a little bit as okay. well. Um, but we'll come back to that. For right now, also we got to do so. We got to do a sponsor spot. One of my favorite sponsors. I'm going to take a really. I want you to back me up with the URLs and stuff on this. But I'm going to tell you about my experience with one of our sponsors, and that is Harry's Razor. I met so many people that have gotten Harry's Razors, and they are telling me they love it. Yeah. And I'm glad. So Harry sent us stuff uh, to start shaving with before we started. Uh, before they started, when they started right. sponsoring us, and I've been using it, and I ran out of it, and so I hit up our producer and said, "Hey, hit Harry's back and tell them I need more razors because yeah. I'm, you know, they were endorsed by them, so certainly right. they'll send me a bunch more razors." And they yeah. ha- they wrote back and said, "No, no, you know, you you can buy them now. We sent you some. If you like them, you can buy or whatever." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, no problem," and I immediately put my credit card down and bought nice. and got on the plan with Harry's myself yeah. because I am totally addicted to love do, using their product and i think it is awesome so Sweet. now i'm just a, a just exactly a harry's customer just like anybody is and so, i have it on my to-do list to do this yeah same. you should yeah you got to do the same thing and the reason why it's so good is because it's high quality high performing german blades we know germans are all about pre- precision mm-hmm. so these blades are crafted by shaving experts and harry's offers a better shave that respects your face and your wallet no more poor quality blades because I am the number one person that has such a sensitive neck. And now that I've shaved my beard completely off, mm-hmm. I use Harry's as well, Matt. Yep. And I love it. I love the quality. That's why I love the handle of the razor. I love that the razor. I, I, it's even I, packaged cool. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun to get. It's, it's amazing. So, And the starter set is an, uh, is really is an amazing deal. For $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. And so why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades when it's half the price at Harry's? On average, an everyday shaver saves about $150 each year, which is a lot of dough. Yep. A, lot a lot of dough. So experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. Go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in our coupon code BCPOD, that's B-C-P-O-D, with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter coupon code BCPOD at checkout for $5 off and start shaving better today. All right. Now, less people think that we like to just poke fun of Christians and pastors and, and tear down the church. Let me, let's be very, very clear. The opposite side of doing, uh, these pre these performance these speeches right. this rehearsed stuff is when you do real dialogue uh, you kind of do it bad. I so got a bad it, feeling about this. Man. In our interviews, <laughs> in our interviews, we do often do a bad job. So I found this clip from uh, the Extol interview about Toby, oh, and it's great. just unbelievable. And I edited it from the uh, from the show because it was just too awful. He did too awful of a job, <laughs> but I don't normally, but this is just something. I just want to give you an example of what happens when uh, unprofessional. Every time somebody said, I've done something too awful. <laughs> unprepared, unprofessional people get and do the real talk. So this is the, the balance side. So we'll make fun of Toby just a minute here. It was the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Not because right. it was dirty or vulgar or anything like that, because you just did such a bad job <laughs> with asking a question <laughs> that I, that uh, it just, I had to, I had to take it out. It wasn't, right. it wouldn't have made sense in context, but right now I think it's really, really fun to listen to so this is you asking peter from x toll one question one question the in a in a professional way you're trying to be an interview have a conversation with a guy and you tried to ask him a simple question (laughs) and you said the word in the question itself is very 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 long right starts multiple times many different angles you say the word like 29 (laughs) times Twenty-nine. <laughs> yeah, have you heard this clip, Joey? No. Okay, this is a legitimate question. Peter's talking. Then Toby sa- says, "All right, I'm going to ask a question here. This is what happens to Toby." 
Definitely. I mean, that is just so interesting to me. Like just, Ding. just the idea of learning. I mean, like you Ding. have to learn about your brain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you, Ding. you Ding. like, and that's you. I mean, that is you. And then like, it's something like, and you would even say, I mean, just for somebody like me that just like, like being like, like something like that, that happens. Like, you, like you have a phobia of elevators or, or whatever like that. Like that seems really foreign to me, but like there's other things that get me as well. But, but with that, like, do you, do you think, um, did he help you? Did you have like, uh, it, it sounds like to me, like even with your wife and within your marriage, you know, it edited? seems like your wife was like, this is, she the- had the phobia too, almost like it, like when you say like, man, it was really bad for me. It sounds like, you know, you're talking about your marriage and your whole life and the people that it affected too. So like your, your phobia also affected even your family and everything. And then with, Definitely. Through, through this, like Definitely. you feel some freedom. Is that, is that, cause that's what it sounds like. Peter got one word. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. Hey, so, before he said definitely, he mouthed to his he, he wife. Was just been like, WTF. Insane. It's like I had Tourette's or something. Like, I, it's I unbelievable. Saying, like, like, it you like have to explain this. so much just to get, just to, I can't even, I mean, you do that kind of a lot, but that's the worst oh, example. Wow. So, he, so I chopped that down to just have the question be what Toby was trying to ask. And this is, had, this is the edited this is what, version? This is what okay. you heard in the podcast. Definitely. I mean, that is just so interesting to me. Like, just you're talking about your marriage and your whole life. And the people that it affected too. So, like, your phobia also affected even your family and everything. And then, definitely through, through this, like, you feel some freedom. Is that, is that, that's what it sounds so through like all like, this, you made an observation, said, "Oh, and so through this, do you feel some freedom?" Now, that was the question. So now let's just go back. Don't, just listen. Just listen to this. Don't even do anything. Laugh if you have to. Don't even talk over this. Y'all listen to what Toby's just trying to get at. How confused you'd be if Toby said, "Hey, I have a question for you." Definitely. I mean, that is just so interesting to me. Like, just just the idea of learning. I mean, like you have to learn about your brain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you you like, and that's you. I mean, that is you. And then, like, <laughs> it's something like, and, and you would even say, I mean, just for somebody like me that just. Like, like being like, like something like that, that happens. Like you, like you have a phobia of elevators or, or whatever like that. Like that seems really foreign to me, but like there's other things that get me as well. But, but with there's other that, things that get me like, as well, you, just think, out of the blue. Um, like, did he help you? Did you have like, uh, did you have like, it sounds like to me, like even with your wife and within your marriage, you know, it seems like your wife was like, it, she had the phobia too, almost like it. Like when you say like, man, it was really bad for me. It sounds like, you know, you're talking about your marriage and your whole life. I have to do a podcast where I interview myself. Too, so like your, your phobia also affected even your family there and everything. You and then, there you go. Now you through, got to it. Through, through this, like you feel some freedom. Is that is that because that's what it sounds like to me? Like you're Are you kidding me? And then I mean, it's, the it's, best part is even when you got to the end of it, you just gave him the answer. You said so through this, like you feel some freedom. That's what it sounds like to me. So then, right. even after that whole over minute long question, you even answered it to where all he could say is yes. You gave him the answer as well. You did all that and then said, "So you like you feel freedom?" You can now. only say definitely. And he and he, his his that answer is, is affirmative, Toby. <laughs> oh man, I am not good at this job. I am not good at it. With, oh my lord, what would people think if you couldn't edit podcasts well, a I mean, little bit? To be honest, we I don't do that. We right, don't. Right, that, right. We, I know. You know I'm that's just, saying, just an extreme example. Like yeah, I thought right, it killed right. the whole interview. So I had like, well, you got to fix that. Amazing, but yeah. <laughs> 
that is just unbelievable. I mean, like, I, I'm doing it right now. I think I get caught up sometimes when we're interviewing guests. I want to say the right thing and say it so clearly that I do the exact opposite. But what you often do is give them the answer. Yeah, you're right. You just suggest the answer to them. You know what? I noticed that, too. And with some of our guests, and I won't say their names, I feel like I give them the answer because I want them to clearly not feel threatened that like I'm trying to catch them or something. Right. I think I think we yeah, all, yeah. almost have an idea. People come on on our show and think, oh, they're going to try and get me to say my worst sin, or they're going, oh, here's where they're going to try. It's to, like, like you're letting them out. Jokes. Though. There's like we had a guest very recently where she was like, oh, this is the soundbite where you're going to catch me and I'm going to look bad or something like that. And she was joking, but I, I just think like. Uh, I think that they think they're going to come on here and, uh-oh, they're going to catch me saying something really bad. Or I'm going to slip and but say this or still, that. still, that's insecurity and you asking a question right. or whatever. Like you got to totally save right. them out of oh, it. Oh, and it's, it's poor podcasting, poor presentation yeah. for sure. So I mean, the opposite of that is you can have your, plan your sermon yeah. for a ma- maximum effect. But yeah. all I'm saying is, and this is what I believe, is that is – I think people should challenge that. <laughs> I think newscasters, pastors, everything, um, I think this – I think – when you like the way a used car salesman will talk to you, you know it's canned, and people are starting to wake up to that now that there's so many right. different forms of media. And I'm telling you, all anything that is like that—that's a performance-based communication, uh, like that is intended to be persuasive—is going to have less and less effect over time. Yeah. So, do you think that? President's speeches will eventually oh, evolve yeah. to yes. what you're talking about. Uh, more so. Look at what Obama does that's effective. And when they have the correspondence dinner or whatever, it's like finally so much relief to hear um, somebody make a joke or talk. And yeah. Obama, and for, all the way from Bill Clinton to Obama, it's been like, think about the stuff that presidents talk about now and play basketball and their saxophone. And yeah. that, you know, that it, it's trying to become related. That, that's way behind the curve. And on the other hand, when they give the State of the Union address, they have to nail it. It's the highest thing, but it's the fakest thing and everybody everybody knows it yeah so like the in-between stuff where you get to i mean i I just think it's gonna i wouldn't say threaten the sermon necessarily or anything like that but i'm really interested in in trying to get to better more authentic delivery because it's i think that's one of the things that feels plastic when it's something's obvious performance yeah yeah i agree i think that is going to be of something that's gonna like newscasters seem outdated do they not yeah would you say there's a time and place for speeches what is there a time and place for speeches, yep. or do you count them worthless altogether? No, because like think think about the way we're talking right now is not quite the tone we talk right. if we're sitting over here in the living room without the microphone, and the way we'll talk tonight when we have to talk in front of a l- larger crowd, it will be different, right? Because there'll be tonight will be hundreds of people listening to us, so we will yeah. talk louder, more anime. It will be that way, and so yeah. if you're speaking on the White House lawn to, the, you know half a million people then you i mean you have to do speak differently that so is true yeah okay but right. that might not be the best method for communicating things that are really important like perhaps the gospel might yeah. not maybe speaking to 500 people isn't the best way 500,000 people isn't the best way to Now the right. reality of what you're saying is if more pastors adapt what you're saying um Less people will want to go on Sunday mornings. No, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I would like. Would you agree with that? Here's what simple? I here's what I believe everybody would like. They want to talk to Matt Chandler and have him have that conversation with him. Yeah, I agree. One on one, and I think one on one. I'm not saying it has to be one on one. I'm saying, how, what is the di- the digital shareable, deliverable mo- media way to to make it feel more that way? Like, wouldn't you like an example of? Uh, wouldn't you like to hear him and have somebody ask questions with him back and forth that, so it was relatable, yeah. but was, the same content was there? That's what I would like. Yeah. But so, do you? Th- what, what about? I mean, what does this look like to you? What if? What if he actually had five people from his church, 
and told him at the beginning of the Sunday morning, hey, you're going to come up on stage and you can ask whatever you want. It'd be interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just, it would be neat to, I like the stuff that the people talk about in delivered speeches and sermons is good stuff. Yeah. I'm interested in other ways to deliver that information. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. Because yeah, I think those things are going to become less and less effective over time because people eventually realize it's a performance and then anybody can, like, it would be so much easier now to become a dynamic preacher because you can source all the good ones and you could spend a week copying the best preachers online and then you could be like that yeah Th- that hasn't been possible in the past so it's less it's less substantial like it's it's more achievable just like guitar players are better now than they were 20 years ago right see so where's the new ground going to be broken in uh delivery of information well can can uh do we have time for me to test you guys i suppose so yeah sure dude well um, so let's what let's kind of see. test. You want well, me to give a speech? I want to no. I want to give you guys a little lightning round based on an ebook that we put out uh, called "Bad Christian Tackles the Lighter Topic." So I'm okay, so you want to talk about a topic but make it relatable, but yeah. not stumble and say like twenty nine times. Okay, yeah, and, and okay. not and not uh, pretend like you're talking to me and not the twenty thousand people that are listening. Okay, Good. Right. H- hundreds Good. of thousands like of people listening. Yeah, I Enjoy. forgot about that. All right, so uh, first topic is masturbation. Uh, w- what grade were you guys in when you discovered that your penis could bring about so much pleasure? Uh, it was it was before I went to school. Go ahead. Um, it would have been. What do you want me to do? Talk about that or just answer? No, the I'm going to have a follow up question. Go okay, ahead. I so actually like do have an answer grade. to this. I w- I know this sounds really weird and uncomfortable, but. I was climbing a tree and I got this I thought weird. That was Matt's story. No, maybe wow. it was, I, that happened to me. Wow. We had I was climbing a tree and I got this weird feeling because I was like climbing, pulling myself yeah. up, moving my legs up a certain way around the tree, and all of a sudden my wiener started feeling weird, and I was like, oh, and I kind of kept doing it and. I shot a load. <laughs> <laughs> so your first sexual encounter is with the yeah. tree. Yeah. How about you, Matt? What grade? Eighth grade. Why'd you try it? Toby uh, just fell into it. Why'd you I try heard it? people talking about it, and I just uh, thought, you, you got to try that. Have you ever been embarrass- embarrassingly busted? No. no. Never. Uh-uh. So you have masturbated at least 10,000 times and have never been busted. No. That's quite impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, politics. Who would win in a fight, Bill Clinton or the younger George Bush? In their prime, George W. In their prime of their uh, presidency, who would win in a fight? I, I think it would be George. I think George off. W. was always in better shape, runner, probably a little more scrappy. Yep. Yep. You would agree. Agree. Bush probably had been drinking and partying. Conservative so, assholes. Yeah. If one branch of the government had to go, which one would we be able to survive with not having the executive, most? legislative, yeah. and judicial? Right. You mean? Out of those three. I mean, get rid of the executive. Yeah, I was. I, sure. I immediately would say executive. I think would be the most. All right, homosexuality. Um, would our downloads go up or down on an average as one of us came out of the closet? Uh, probably up. Why do you think so? Let's just, Don't we have uh, a lot of Christians? It, it sounds interesting to me. I th- yeah. also think if one of us eventually was just not a Christian anymore, that would also be good for yeah. traffic. I mean, bad for eternity for that person. Whichever three of us it. W- will be but if anybody wants to take the bullet that would probably be good for the show and just on a side note if you you have to bet ten thousand dollars of your money which one of us will come out of the closet you're asking the audience or me you and you and myself which one you had to bet money on the other two or yourself coming out of the closet which uh, one would you i bet would on? say uh, definitely me do you feel manlier <laughs> than a gay guy toby 
No, not at all. You don't. Uh-uh. Matt, no, do you I've feel manlier than a gay guy? Extremely tough gay people in Seattle. Yeah, I heard a comedian even say it's like being gay is one huge. of the most manly things you can do because you like but, want to be with a, another yeah. man. You don't want to be with a soft, gentle woman. There's you a want lot to be with a man. Yeah, like, and it's, lots it's of gay, more manly. Lots of gay people are really into working out and they're super fit. And some of them are like biker tough. I mean, there, there's all. Yeah. There's basically, that's a the the correct answer is there's no difference. There as many kinds of gay people as there's straight people as far as toughness right. or whatever. I like okay. the Seinfeld episode where the two tough gay guys steal the uh, armoire or whatever yeah. and Kramer, yeah. <laughs> Kramer's freaked out. That's so funny. They're really tough. Oh, there's a little one and are a big one. Are you talking to yeah. me? Yeah. Uh, no, right. I, he must not be talking. Yeah. That is such a funny thing. You guys thing. are doing a great job. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not catching like any sort of like speech sort of nope. vibe, so good job. All right, like, so, so when, like you think that we're like doing really good or like what? No, I'm, okay. I'm very impressed. I'm starting to even have more faith in the news and everything. Yeah. Science segment. Well, I've always liked the science okay. segment. I mean, no offense. We All have right, more? So, or we? Yeah, we're okay. almost done. Cussing. Your daughter is five, Toby, but imagine Georgia five. How do you handle her at the supper table saying, oh, this pizza's yucky as shit? I say we five years old. We, I, I, we've already had a little bit of that stuff, and we say that there are adult words and kids' words, and she's not she's not able to understand how to use those words yet, and that's not what we'd say. When can she and, use and them? And she said it outside of our... Our house, even she could potentially get into trouble, so she's not allowed to use that word. Just when like she's not she? allowed to touch a hot stove yeah. or do some bad things. When can she? Uh, probably once she doesn't live under my roof. Really? Maybe. Yeah. So, nineteen-year-old Ruby can't say shit in your house. You I mean, she's out of my house. Uh, if she says it, she's not going to get in trouble, but I might would prefer. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't know what nineteen-year-old after Ruby fifteen, will be like. she's probably fine. Yeah, I'm not going to really be mad if she stubs her toe or whatever, but if it's no. intentional, like we, we had a conversation with some friends, like if, they're, if they are cussing just to for the sake of it, which I guess I do, <laughs> I'm yeah, a hypocrite say, in this, yeah. I would rather them not be as lowbrow and silly and stupid as me. I think my kids are super smart, and I think that if they are using it in a way that is funny or intelligent or unlike their father, I would probably push them towards that as opposed to just saying it for shock value around some friends. But every do you think, kid's Matt? doing it. If Georgia said that about the right. pizza, she said this pizza is what? Tastes, tastes like shit. Yeah, I, I would, would laugh first. I would look straight at Bridget and said, she's right. Go fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and I expect my wife to take care of Immediately. that. Immediately. Yeah. All right, Toby, Outside. give me one example of why you're a bad Christian. Like a, a specific example, tell people why you suck that as a Christian. That's too easy. You don't even have to yeah. do anything but rewind f- 45 seconds. Yeah. All uh, of his like, 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 likes. No, no, no. I would say. No, it's cussing yeah. hypocrisy alone. Is it Right. That he, just, that he just clearly stated in the last 45 seconds should be a point I, enough. I use cussing too sometimes just And he's silly, admitting that he, he is taking but, a direct double standard approach with his kids. So, <laughs> Yeah. I'm a bad <laughs> Christian because I know right and wrong and most times i end up choosing the wrong thing what about you matt about anything um oh wow <laughs> awesome well anyway guys go get our ebook i think it's uh pretty good and uh no, pretty you think it's really good huh you don't think it's pretty good you think it's damn good i Okay, I think it's the best book I've ever read. Yeah. Where do yeah. you go? What's the URL? You just go to badchristian.com forward slash lighter topics. This uh, book was written by the three of us, yeah. so it was pretty fun. And we were able to do this because of the BC Club. We don't talk about it that much, but it is going so well. Our supporters and you guys listening that, that are part of the BC Club, thank you so much. We'll even say our names after the news because they bring you the news. They bring you this whole podcast. But this is something that we do to help 
fund all these things that we're trying to do. And so if you like what you hear, if you like what BC's about and you want to be a part of it, just check out the, the BC Club and support us. We really do appreciate that support, and it really does help make these things possible. All right, so I'm going to mix up the categories now. What president do you think masturbated the most in the Oval Office? Come on, Joy. <laughs> yep. Thank you to the BC Club for all that. You make it all possible. Thank Please go join today. I'll say that in a direct way. We, we want it. We need it. Go join it. Join it. All right, we'll be right back in just a second with the drunk ex pastor. Did I really just say my first sexual experience was with a tree? Yep. (laughs) Our friends in Haste the Day have reunited to make a brand new record called Coward. That's coming out May 18th. This is going to be cool. I love seeing like 50 to 60-year-old men reunite and yep. create a record. Yeah. <laughs> We've known those dudes since 1960s. Uh, so let's check out their brand new song called World. That was World by Haste the Day. Their brand new record is called Coward, and it comes out on May 18th, and it features every member that was ever in Haste the Day. So, that, so that's what? 30 to 35 people. people. <laughs> These dudes are awesome. You know what's cool? Every single one of them are really cool, too. I, I, I can't wait to hear this full record. They'll be playing four CD release shows in New York City, Denver, Los Angeles, and Indianapolis. So check those out if you can, and be sure to head over to solidstate.merchline.com to pre-order their new record, Coward. Go to there today. We've got one more cool band for you today called Last of the Wild Men. Let's check out a brand new track from them called Eye for an Eye. was Eye for an Eye by Last of the Wild Men. They have a music video for this song over on their website, lastofthewildmen.com. 
You can also follow them over at facebook.com forward slash last of the wild men for your tour dates, more videos, and a new song release coming in June. That's in two months or maybe a month and a half. So, so Christian, you're, you are agnostic or atheist now? It's agnostic, I believe, right? Agnostic, yeah. So how do you deal with the question? Do you, do you, uh, do you like the joke, I'll see you in hell like that? How, does that, how do you take that? You make that joke? <laughs> um, well, I don't believe in hell, so I think it's kind of a funny joke, I guess. So it's really cool, um, though, because it's a badass thing to say to somebody. So if you don't believe in hell, you get to say, I'll see you in hell, and you, it's, a good, it's a good joke, really. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've never said that to anybody, I don't think. I was traumatized when Han Solo said that in Empire Strikes Back back when I was a fundamentalist Christian <laughs> and it really really bothered me so I've just never said that myself your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker <laughs> what does he say I'll see you in hell and I'll see you in hell well so there's a hell in the in the George Lucas universe as well this is, is it the same universe uh, yeah, I think it's just a saying because I think his it's a, universe is... It's a galaxy um, far, far away. Yeah, that's right. It's in a galaxy yeah. far, far away, though, hell still pertains to them, though. Okay. Different rules. Different rules for different galaxies. Okay, so they have a, maybe a different... In our galaxy, hell. you get tortured forever in hell. Other galaxies, I don't know. Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and get this thing started by you guys just telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Why are you guys, uh, you know, wh- how do you guys know each other and, wh- and what do you do? Well, um, we met in high school at Calvary Chapel High School down in uh, Costa Mesa, California. Were y'all high school sweethearts? He, he asked really me to Sadie Hawkins dance. <laughs> uh, we were, I mean, not, not, not really. We, we hung out a bit. We, we became good friends uh, after high school uh, on the mission field in Europe mostly, right? Saving the souls for the lost. Yes. Saving souls. Yeah, yeah. And we started, I, he moved up, what year did you move up to the Northwest? Uh, 2002. All right. Yeah, and I, I moved up two years later, and we started out. hanging out. <laughs> That's true. Um, we started hanging out weekly, having some drinks and watching uh, watching movie or watching TV shows. And, you know, we're, we're the kind of guys where... Every you know, every minute we'll pause what we're watching and and you know enter into some sort of like deep philosophical or theological conversation. And, I'm sure it would be uh, we, so annoying to anybody who was trying. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then this last summer, my brother, who does a podcast of his own, he said, "Dude, you guys should record your conversations in the form of a podcast, put it out there, and see see if anybody likes it." And we did. That was back in September, I think, and we've done about 33 episodes since then. Yeah. Well, great. Welcome to the podcasting game, and we're glad to have you on the show today. So if I, if I have my story straight, feel free to correct me, but you guys were both at one time Christian pastors. That's the, the backstory to, to you guys' relationship, right? Yes. Yeah. And what denominations and type of pastor were you? How would you describe that? After we graduated, I went to, the, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College Jason went on the mission field to Africa. Then we kind of switched spots. He came back and was a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, which is the um, the, uh, the original mm-hmm. Calvary Chapel. And then I went to Africa. And then um, a couple years later, we both went to Europe. We were in Hungary for about uh, – I was there for four years. Jason was there for about six years. And then we got kicked out. And that was, that was in 2000. That was the end of our <laughs> Calvary Chapel career. <laughs> but we were both pastors. We, we got to stop for... there. We need to hear the kick. We need to hear the get kicked out story. 
I was kicked out <laughs> because I was super zealous, and Jason was kicked out for prostitutes. So, you know. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> um, we were kicked out. We were kicked out for becoming Calvinists, actually. Really? Yep. D- they just couldn't take it anymore. You guys said that God God had sovereignty and they got pissed. Well, Calvinists is very fundamentalist and they, they view – we had a guy that actually came over who was a pastor and came over to Hungary and, and told somebody in Hungary, which is, by the way, half Calvinist, half Catholic – and said that, uh, yeah, we have this cult in California. They call themselves Calvinists. <laughs> and so that's Calvary's <laughs> view of Calvinism. So, so you got kicked out, and that's when you decided to do what? Well, I we both, we both moved back to Southern California. Um, well, no, you, actually, Christian moved to Arizona for a little bit. So I, I went to uh, Westminster Seminary in San Diego County because uh, I joined the Presbyterian Church, and I wanted to keep being a pastor, but in actual denominations you need some sort of education you know go figure to uh to do to be in the ministry so i went to westminster and did my mdiv there and um after i graduated in 04 is when i moved up to the northwest to plant uh, pca church up here so you ended up planting it and how how long were you pastoring that church um, I pastored that church until 2012, uh, and that's when I resigned because uh, I became a Catholic. And so, something of a conflict of interest there, you know, trying to be a Presbyterian <laughs> pastor while you're uh, simultaneously a Mary worshiping papist. He, he, so, I, I had to success. Everything was going really <laughs> well, and he was making good money and he was speaking at conferences and writing books and his church loved him and it was just you know he needed some more conflict in his life so he decided yeah yeah how do you stumble upon being a catholic it sounds like you just stepped in poop and you're like oh well now i'm a or something like how how did you he really liked saying the hail mary yeah i mean what 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 made you go that way uh well other than being a self-saboteur you mean yeah yeah did you just equate becoming a Catholic to stepping in dog shit? No. <laughs> it was just an accident. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> You're not your religion isn't dog shit. That gummit, look at my look at my shoe. Ah, oh, I became a Catholic. That's what it sounds like. Thanks, guys. I feel so much better. Yeah, how did you happen upon that though? Uh I, I stumbled upon uh an argument on a, on a website against the idea that scripture alone is our sole infallible authority and i that was back in the summer of 08 so it took me four years of of just walking around in dog shit uh before i actually (laughs) embraced it um so i read i read an article uh, against sola scriptura written by a catholic guy that really bothered me and i couldn't i couldn't i didn't know what to do about it then I started looking into issues uh, relating to the gospel and justification by faith alone. And, and you came once, to me during this time, and I also couldn't answer these questions either. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, surprisingly enough, Christian was of no help to me. Uh, <laughs> hey, Christian, were you an agnostic at this time? Uh, no, I was actually um, going to a Presbyterian church at the time. Or no, at the time when Jason was becoming Catholic, I think I was. I, w- I wasn't an um, official agnostic, but I was going in that direction for sure. This stuff is always interesting to me when somebody, uh, especially when a, a leader in a church 
has a a what I guess yours was a crisis of religion, but like a crisis of faith or something like that. How did people at the Presbyterian Church respond to you? You're riding the whore of Babylon into uh, the mouth of the beast or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that is so bizarre. People get so mad if you just are trying to think about God. (laughs) (laughs) Like they get pissed off if you. Do you think that people that said that stuff to you was that a defense? Like, did they put that defense up because it, it, that comes into question? Are they believing the right thing or, or doing the right? You, just, you think that's what that is? Uh, I don't. I, I think that the kind of Calvinism that I was involved in was just very sort of old school, uh, staunch, you know, Calvinism. Uh, and, and so the Catholic gospel really is for them the false gospel of Galatians yeah. one. Yeah, it's the gospel that if you believe it, you are anathema, and so. I think that idea is so ingrained in them that what I did for them truly was a betrayal of Christ. And I don't, and I, and I don't yeah, think uh-huh. a lot of those people, I don't think they have any moments of, of, of uh, uncertainty at all in what they believe. Uh, I think they're very, very sure of themselves, uh, and therefore they were very, very sure uh, of my own you know, damning of my own soul. Yeah, we can do interesting things like that in our mind. I think it's like to compartmentalize where you tell yourself there's no doubts about this and then you, you're going to feel more safe. So it's like gymnastics of the brain or shutting it, shutting off compartments of it. So for them, it really did feel that way. I see what you're saying because they really did have it where you can't entertain any other notion or this is this, it's in this category, this is my team. And to have those things not firm uh, really is a scary thing. So you kind of you kind of understand yeah, their point yeah, of view? Yeah, I, I do. I, when I was, because I was, you know, uh card-carrying old-school Presbyterian myself for a long time. And, and so I would have said the same thing. I would have – I mean I hope I would have been charitable to the person who became a Catholic, but regarding the decision to become Catholic, if you, mm-hmm. if you know what the Catholic Church teaches and accept it anyway, then there's just no hope for you because you're trusting in your own works and you're going to go to hell on the last day. I, I would have thought the same thing. Uh-huh. Well, I think I'm probably guilty of that, too, to some degree. Like, when people say Catholic, I don't automatically think non-Christian. I, I don't. But at times in in my past, I have, you know, maybe overly easily discounted them or assumed that, that, that if this person believes this or wants to go that way, they must be trying to just do something wrong or different. Or, you know, and I, I do have some genuine things I think don't make sense about the, the Catholic beliefs and, and stuff like that, but maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, and that's harder to live with because I'd rather just say the way they treat Mary seem, is wrong. I'd yeah. rather say that. And I'm with, that's more comfortable to me. I'm with Matt as far as Catholicism, but I would say for, for me it's more uh, of an experiential thing because I, I was raised Catholic through the third grade, and I just saw a bad side of Catholicism, such as uh, my great-grandfather... Uh, pretty much disowning my grandfather when he claimed to be a born-again Christian. So my grandfather uh, didn't go to Mass ever, but he claimed to be a Catholic, and that was cool with his dad. But then once he started going to church and said, no, I'm actually a born-again believer, all hell broke loose. He got basically written out of the will. So as a kid, I kind of had a sour taste in my mouth with just how serious people took that sort of denomination. I think as I've gotten older, I've, I mean, I, I, I would go so far as to say um, through maybe high school and college, I thought if you're a Catholic, you don't, 
you're you're not really a believer. I, I'm embarrassed right. to so say that. So do you that. guys really worship Mary, though? <laughs> do you worship Mary? Uh, no, no. I'm saying that from a relatively ignorant point of view, but I mean that's just that's just to represent what a lot of people think. I'm, I don't I don't know if I could answer the I question mean, for you. Yeah, the Hail Mary. It's called the Hail Mary. Oh, Hail Mary. Yeah, talking about yeah. Football now? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, short answer is 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 no. Uh, Catholics make a distinction between worship, which it, whose object is God alone, but also veneration. Um, you know, you venerate the saints. You venerate the same way you venerate your the president of the United States, or you venerate your father. Um, and so, Catholics believe in in venerating the saints, and this is all tied in with the idea of the Trinity, and that God is a father, fathering a divine family. Christ is our older brother. And 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 once it, what occurred to me was once once I understand the Trinity and the the actual implications of the of the Trinity. A lot of the objections against Catholic, you know, devotion and piety and, and veneration of saints sort of disappear because I understand that that's, that's what you do in a family. You know, it's not weird to ask, you know, someone else on earth to pray for you if you need prayer. Then the, and if the saints in heaven aren't dead but are alive, then, then it shouldn't be weird to ask for their prayers hmm. either. You're not praying to them. You're asking for their prayers the same way I might ask one of you guys to pray for me. Not Christian, of course. No, because yeah. I will not. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, so anyway. That's definitely, a, I think, a pretty fresh perspective. Do you, you know, my that same great-grandfather gave me like this, this piece of jewelry, and it supposedly had a tiny bone fragment of a, of a saint. Have you ever seen one of those? Because uh, apparently, for me, it was pretty kick-ass. And then I think when I became that they have a bone from a saint. Yeah, it was like this tiny little um, and your pennant grandpa, and that your, you wear around your neck, and it's got the name of the saint, and it's this tiny little kidney stone size oh <laughs> deal. Lord. And it's it's supposed to be a piece of, of bone. And I think uh, I think when my parents became born again, they were just like, yeah, we probably shouldn't yeah. have that. It's a little the higher you go up in Catholic Church, do you get like a femur or something? <laughs> like that? <Do> you, like, <laughs> Christian, tell us about this bullshit agnosticism, man. I mean, yeah, how did you go from mission trips and growing up in the church and, and seminary or Bible school and all this stuff to you don't even believe in Jesus anymore? Well, I'm listening to you guys talk to Jason about how weird his religion seems. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that, you know what? I bet you guys have some weird stuff in what you believe as well. <laughs> hey, the snakes have never bit us. <laughs> Ever. Oh, good. Not once. <laughs> Now, I did get sick from that venom one time. (laughs) Well, I asked Jason on a couple of podcasts ago, I was having bad asthma. I asked him if he would anoint me with oil and pray for me because supposedly that will heal me, but he refused. I don't know if that's because he's uh, Catholic or he was afraid it wouldn't work. Yeah, it's just kind of a waste on an agnostic. I mean, why would God heal you? (laughs) (laughs) You were predestined for hell and we all know it. I mean, it's kind of a lot to ask. Jason, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we're interested, though. I mean, specifically in you two guys' stories. And then ultimately, this works out to where you guys are friends and do a podcast together and drink together and all that stuff. But it is interesting to us to paint this picture here. So, Christian, could you tell us a little bit more specifically about how and when you stopped believing in Jesus and became an agnostic? How did that happen? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't a singular moment where all of a sudden I went from believing in Jesus to just, 
you know, going, oh, forget it. I don't believe in him. It was, mm-hmm. it was real gradual. And I get accused a lot, as most people do who stop uh, being Christians, of, you know, wanting to go sin. And so, therefore, you deny Christ because you want to go live a sinful life or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot more intellectual than that uh, for me and and still is where it just it just went from seeming I grew up in it I was raised in Calvary Chapel from the time I was six years old I went to their uh, elementary school their junior high their high school their college and I was a missionary for Calvary Chapel and then we ended up coming back and I I became a part of the Presbyterian Church for a while um, and then there for a while I just thought you know what my whole life I've been raised in this I've uh, been indoctrinated to some extent and I need to get out of it and see if I still if I really believe this or not and so I kind of uh, stepped away stopped going to church and uh, the longer I went to church the more um, I mean (laughs) the risk of insulting all of you the more uh, silly it all seemed to me it mm-hmm. just began to seem, um, and I will admit too that the the fundamentalist side of Christianity is pretty silly, and that's the side I was raised in. So I try to balance, you know, uh, my thoughts of what's what I think is silly with realizing what is actually silly that most Christians also think is silly, you know. Um, but uh, as time went on, I just it just stopped resonating with me completely. It just stopped making sense as my view of the world got bigger and my understanding of other religions and of history and, uh, you know, the entire world we live in got bigger, Christianity just made less and less sense to where... Where was the point you were willing to declare that that, or tell other people to come out? Well, you know, okay, so as a Christian, I would say in 2005, 2006, I stopped believing in hell as an eternal place of torment. And I think there's a lot of good arguments from the Bible that uh, um, will show that same thing. But at that point, I then felt like I had the freedom to really start looking into things and really start going, okay, what do I believe? If I'm not afraid of going to hell because Christianity is not supposed to be some fear-based religion, um, then what do I really believe? And as I started looking at it, I just believed less and less until... Um, I considered myself an agnostic for a few years before we started the podcast. And then once we started the podcast, it was, you know, I think that was the time where I was like, well, I've got to kind of go public with it now. You I know? see. So, um, yeah. So last, Jason, you would say that I would have called myself an agnostic before, but I would say it wasn't a, a public thing until last summer mm-hmm. when we started doing the podcast. Yeah, you were agnostic yep. before the podcast for sure. Yeah. That's interesting that you, one of the, the big turning points was just saying no to hell. Like that, that is a, such a debated topic, no matter what. Like that's the gateway drug to agnosticism, Toby. It yeah, is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> For sure. But it, but it is, I do wonder, like, I, I do believe in the fear of the Lord. Like I, I even, some of that, that language even I, I, I can appreciate and respect because I feel like if I just saw God right now, I'd be so scared no matter what physically and mentally emotionally this is the beginning of wisdom right 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 so so then but but then at the same time i feel like as the humans we we try to instill that fear with like a hateful god that is just scary only like i don't when i think when i think about the fear of the lord i don't think it, it the intent is merely to scare you 
You know what I mean? Like it, it's a, it, I believe there has to be some level of respect there or awe or wonder or doubt in what you're actually seeing. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like to fear like what, what this actually means and, and all that stuff. But it is interesting that, uh, that, is one of the turning points in your life of, well, I'm not going to believe that. So that actually did open up the door to go, well, I can try anything now. Matt, why don't I just at least experiment because I'm not scared that I'm going to be burning with worms eating me tomorrow or something like that. Right. Is that, is that kind of part of it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, how much do you really know what you believe when your belief is based on, I need to believe this or else I'm going to burn forever in a fire yeah. for, right. you know, for eternity. I mean, so it was kind of, that kind of freed me up to go, well, now that I don't believe that I'm going to burn forever, maybe just for a while, because I think I was a conditionalist, which is that basically you'll re- be repaid for your sins and then annihilated. Yeah. But uh, at that point, it kind of freed me up to go, okay, well, do I really believe this? Or is this, have I been believing this because I was taught that hell is a real place I'm going to go to as a six-year-old? You know, So okay. uh, I think that's where I came to. That's pretty and interesting you, to me. Did, were um, you able to? Did you walk away from all religion then too? Like, did you study any other religions and go, yeah, it's all kind of BS? Or, or did anything entice you besides Christianity? Well, it's it's hard to know because I do feel like I was indoctrinated as a as a kid, and I was indoctrinated against every other religion, you know. Uh, yeah. And so I, I mean, we had classes on cults in high school that you know taught me about all the other religions and how they're wrong so i definitely have that still in my head uh that i was taught and so i wouldn't say that i've looked i have no desire to be religious really i haven't looked into it but both because i've been taught as a kid they were wrong and also because i just have no desire to be religious i spent so much of my life being religious and um you know so no, I just, I, 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 I mean, Jason and I talk about it every week, you know, he tries to convince me and I try to convince him and we, you know, I think there's good arguments to be made on both sides, really. Now that you have your way, what's it like to live in full on party, uh, sin mode 24 hours a day? Is it fun? Yeah, you're it just a heathen, awesome. right? You don't have to care about people or anything. No, orgies every night, just cutting yeah. people off on the freeway everywhere I go, flipping off whoever I want, it's awesome. stealing, stealing like, constantly. Yeah, every time I go like to his Kobe. house, it's just like there's like naked midgets <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> well, the reason I asked that is because you, what you, you said that in the beginning, that that is what Christians are always saying is people become agnostic or lose the faith as if they're trying to gravitate towards some sinful pleasure so that they can justify it. And I would say to that, I agree that that's not the reason typically they do. On one hand, because on one hand, as we always talk about, Christians have their sin. They have it still. They're, you know, that from, from what I know of Christians, they still have their sin that they want to do. And it may be different ones. And they use atheism and other religions as a way of knocking particular sins that they don't like. But the ones that they like to hold on to, they kind of still do. And then on the other side of that is, from my experience, and I'm really curious if you could look, answer this question, if there's anything there to it. If not, I'm not fishing for it. But most people that I've talked to and have experience with, when they be- go from being a Christian to not or to agnostic or whatever, a lot of times or very often it's accompanied by a suffering point in their life. Like they lose somebody or something bad happens or whatever. That seems to be more of a trigger or a axial point. And I'm curious, is there anything like that for you? No, there wasn't anything like that for me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, Jason, you've been the witness to my life for the last 20 years. So, <laughs> uh, you know... <clears throat> 
Yeah, is there anything, so. Jason, that you identify that maybe he's not? I'm not saying missing anything. I'm not trying to paint any pictures not there. But, Jason, is there anything from your point of view that plays into this other than just intellectual development? Uh, no, uh, we we actually were arguing about this on our podcast um, just this last. I think it's the latest episode about you know can somebody um, become can somebody, can somebody lose their faith for any other reason besides purely intellectual reasons? Because I was trying to argue that you know I can understand if somebody's life gets really bad, they can just you know flip mm-hmm. God the the bird right. a- and say I'm done with this. Uh, but Christian's response was like, no, no, I would never have uh, abandoned my faith merely because of bad circumstances because the Bible tells me to expect them. But instead, for him, it really was just purely uh, intellectual. It was purely um, you know, wrestling with, with the, the ramifications of Orthodox Christianity and finding them wanting. Huh. That's interesting. Maybe, uh, Christian, I balanced the universe out a little bit because my – my interest to Christianity was the opposite, where I was fully convinced that in- intellectualism and understanding the world and science was the way to uh, get everything figured out, and then religion would be unnecessary. And then w- with that point of view beginning, because I grew up in a liberal, I joke that I grew up in a non-Christian Presbyterian church, which isn't really true, but it's, um, <laughs> But it, it was it was liberal, and I didn't feel any of that born-again stuff or any of that fundamentalist or any of that rule or legalistic kind of thing at all. And I thought I, I thought it was a little all a little bit silly, and as soon as I learned enough, I would be rid of it forever. Right. And so right. I pursued just learning and knowledge until God supernaturally told me, nope, this is real. Don't worry. I mean, it, this stuff is true. So you can learn all you want to. That's not going to change it. So then I flip from from the other way into this, which is, you know, I guess we balance each other out. Yeah, have fun in heaven while I'm suffering in hell, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting, though. Like when I when I read the Bible and I think about that first sin, and God says, "Don't don't do that," because you'll you'll know stuff. You know, it's the it's the the knowledge tree, Mm -hmm. and and I do think like the, the it is like do you. You mean and back I mean, in the story where God put them in the garden and then put a tree there that would send everybody, send billions of people to hell? Right. <laughs> Is that the story you're talking about? Yes, that one. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, he told him not to. <laughs> I mean, he tried. What is he? I mean, good you Lord. You know what would have been way better if he just didn't have that tree? That would have been awesome. Yeah, but, but then everybody in the world, uh, I know you guys were, or, or were Calvinists or whatever, but I mean, then you would say there, there was no choice. Then you were just, you didn't get anything, right? There, there was no reality. It was just whatever God said, right? So to put that there, I, I mean, like we take it as this warning of, well, now you're, you're in trouble forever if, because you denied God. But at the same time, I, I'm I'm close to a Calvinist. I really am. I, I really do believe in God's sovereignty, and I don't I don't really care. I don't think we really get any choices. I mean, most of the choices in our in our lives aren't real. You know, it's not a real choice. I don't get to say, you know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna swim under the ocean and breathe water, breathe oxygen through you know lungs. I don't you know I can only jump so high. All these things. I don't really have real. Cho- I live on Earth. I'm I'm a white large man and so all these choices that that you think you have are, are pretty much predestined and we're all okay with gravity or whatever but i do but not think even like, that toby but choices like to go one further if i if i jump up and slap your wife you don't have any choice in your response either correct right you know what i mean yeah yeah totally you know I mean? your response so, is predetermined on what yeah. you're going to do when i punch your wife in the face <laughs> yeah so the idea of that is like uh, i mean is is it a thing where we we 
once whatever that is, whatever the initial sin was or the initial thing that could say no to God, you know, without God, I can do something. Is it like, I mean, is that just appealing to us? Like, was was that idea of, was it really like, oh, what I'm believing is silly and that's just it? Like, logically, it's just a logical answer? Or is it like, I can do stuff on my own, so I don't need God? Because that, that's where, I, that's why what I always wonder is like, do you ever miss like, Man, there had to be times in your life where you had a real, what you would have called a spiritual experience, and now you don't have that, and you don't, you don't close your eyes and talk to somebody. Like, do, do you miss that, or you just didn't want it? You didn't need it? Well, I didn't ever feel like I was talking to anybody, I guess. And, and this is probably where- Not even once? Of, Not once? Well, I think that I, I, think that I, uh, I, think the, I think the brain is powerful. And I think that if you believe you're talking to somebody, that you will oftentimes feel like you're talking to somebody. And more for some people than others. More for people who are more emotionally oriented than those who are a little more logical. But overall, um, I didn't, you know, that, that's the whole thing about, uh, there's this whole experiment where you take a bunch of people who, this whole idea of you take this experiment or you take these people who are sick and you put them in one room, you take a bunch of people who are sick, put them in another room, you tell one room that they're being prayed for, and the other room they're not, and what happens. And the people who say they're being, who think they're being prayed for, uh, will get better uh, more often than the people in the other room because they believe it to be true. And so, well, from my understanding, show, you're right. There is no data that shows that anything spiritual or prayer is anything but one sided in the natural realm. I don't think there's any study. Like, I think you're right. You could do that over and over again with studies, and you're never going to see a better statistical um, analysis of of prayer other than the the cognitive effects of it and our end of it. As far as recording the supernatural effects of it, it's not going to happen. But aren't there supposed but to be supernatural effects? Of, what's that? Aren't there supposed to be supernatural effects from it? Well, if they, to the Bible? if they are, they're n- they're not going to be measurable naturally. We, I mean, we just know. I mean, if there were, it just would be. It's like time travel. If they had it, they'd already be here. So, you know, we we would have figured that out if it was if we could just record. If somebody could figure out the technology to record the supernatural, well, first of all, then it would be something naturally quantifiable. But it's just clearly isn't so whether right. it exists or not still doesn't matter but that to me that's all a little bit beside the point of kind of of what toby just asked you which was d- you were praying you were having spiritual experiences and you saying you didn't really believe them but at the time you must have right um yeah i think i did you didn't say i'm faking the, the whole time yeah no um i think i had experiences where i was emotional or where i thought you know god did something in my life or or mm-hmm. but i think i have experiences like that now where i recognize it as just coincidence or um you know some type of emotional experience but not necessarily related to god yeah so you reattributed all those experiences to naturally occurring ones you know emotional feelings and the power of the brain when you look back on it yeah exactly mm-hmm. and you're more so confident so- about your position now than then not, you're not, you know, yeah. what I mean? like for instance, well, I, you don't I was, think you might reinterpret these <laughs> later. Um, how, plus, possible. how confident? I'm, how confident can an agnostic be, though? <laughs> like the, the Christian's yeah. whole thing is he won't commit to anything. He won't. He won't uh-huh. believe in or disbelieve in anything at all. He believes nothing. And so, how how hard is it to be confident in that? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, could you also? Are you open to the fact that you'll reinterpret these these things now again later, twenty years from sure. now, to a whole sure, other yeah. thing, theoretically? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I actually respect that point of view, at least. Uh, Christian, the God that you did believe in and how you believed in that God, 
that person that believed would that would Christian five years ago or ten years ago believe that you would die and maybe get a chance by God saying, "Hey, um, here I am. I am true. Uh, you you got this one last shot." Or would the Christian of your Presbyterian Calvinist days believe you'd go straight to hell? Uh, where I am now, right? You mean? Yeah. Um, I think both versions of the Christian that I was would believe that I am going to hell. Yeah. Are you pissed off at that version of you? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't get pissed off at that much. <laughs> I did. So do y'all I talk about a lot of stuff when I was a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all talk about this sort of thing on your podcast? I know. Um, like our our friends on Reform Pubcast, they, they mostly talk theology. It seems like. Do you guys talk a lot of theology on y'all's? It, we do. It actually. I think. I sometimes I think we skew too much in that direction. You know, it seems lately yeah. that the because we take we take listener calls and you know and you know Facebook messages where people suggest things. And lately we've been talking a lot about hell and universalism and the afterlife yeah. and the existence of God. And, you know, technically religion is supposed to be just one of a handful of things we talk about in, in addition to politics and culture. Um, but it does seem like uh, no matter how much we try to not do it, we sort of, you know, skew in the direction of religion and theology mm-hmm. more than we even want to. Yeah, you, you've got pastors in your name. Yeah, that's my wager. Yeah. Your fa- the fans push it that way because you have such a great and catchy name. Like, you're, the name Drunk X Pastors is... I mean, that's it. That tells everybody what they need to know about you, and that attracts a certain kind of people. And, of course, they're probably more interested in that than they are politics for the general part, at least the, the main yeah. part of it. I find that with our with our show, like, it doesn't matter what we totally say it is because there is influence from the people who absorb it and like it and we have feedback with and stuff like that, which I think is the interesting part. So, so how do you guys... What what do you think is the the reason that you guys podcast? Because I love it that you have different points of views, you have real stories, and then when you talk, it's real. And we're in this unexplored territory, and you're really similar in our camp to like this demographic of pseudo related to Christianity, but it's just entertainment, and it's su- such an unexplored territory. So I, I guess I'm saying how much I like podcasting and why. But why do why do you guys like being in that space? Well, I, you know, we were joking the other day about because people will write us and they'll say, "Oh, your podcast is is encouraging me in my in my in my walk with the Lord," or oh, or somebody will write fuck. us and say the opposite. <laughs> Damn it! But we, we were joking about how all there all of our consequences are unintended consequences, you know, because mm-hmm. we really there is no end goal beyond hitting the record button and then hitting stop when we're done. Uh, it, so it's, you know, in, in many ways it's um, indulgent because uh, all we really want to do is uh, record our conversations, put them out there, and hope people like them. Um, but I don't think we really have any kind of mission, you know, to, to accomplish anything specific. We wouldn't mind making a living doing this. I mean, that's, well, that's sort I think, of a goal, I think too. that's partly true in the sense that you don't have the larger mission. Like, our, we, our goal is to see souls saved. In fact, I almost think that could be too shallow of a mission any, anyway. You know, and I mean, shallow is not the right word for it. But when people ask us what we're trying to do, they would say, but I mean, ultimately, it's this, right? And I try to push back and stay in the middle and say, I think what we 
care about is trying to, I, I do think we want to influence others, but not guide them or lead them or coach them or teach them. We just want to give people uh, more experience with the broad set of experiences that we have and then let them draw conclusions and we're going to populate the world with ideas that are often stifled. And that's what I think is compelling about what you guys do in the space that we're in is that it's kind of unexplored. So I think that you probably do have a goal in the sense of something at least a little bit more vague like that. And I know you guys intend to be entertaining, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure. So you'd work on it. If you, if you got some good feedback on how you were being dull, then you would say, well, our goal is to at least entertain or yeah. know, propagate good ideas or stimulate dialogue and, and conversation, which I think is all great. But that's what I get from the kind of thing that, that you're doing, at least. Do you guys get a lot of shit about drinking? Like, do people say you're too... Uh, relaxed with it or or do y'all get a lot of any any pushback from that yeah and with with that i the question is do y'all have a lot of evangelical christians listening i'm surprised i'm constantly surprised by the the uh variety of people we have listening i mean we have atheists listening who write us and say you know i'm just interested in religion i love the way you guys talk about it uh we have um uh, Presbyterians who listen, who, you know, Jason screwed all Presbyterianism over when he became a Catholic. <laughs> and we obviously have Catholics listening, we have agnostics listening, and then we have educated people listening, which always <laughs> freaks me out the most. And then, um, you know, and then, the yeah. Presbyterians are not educated. <laughs> we have evangelicals listening, and, you know, they're interested in the ideas, and it's a it's an environment for them to hear ideas they haven't heard or, or talked about or felt the freedom to talk about and it opens up uh, discussion lanes for them to you know discuss these things well to that's, your question, the, that's Joey, the real thing like it, it you know we what one thing we get all the time is you guys are touching upon topics that i've wanted to talk about or broach with friends or my pastor or whoever and i've just been too afraid to do it and so people mm-hmm. say one thing that's refreshing about it is the fact that you guys aren't afraid to ask the kinds of questions that a lot of people want to ask but are too afraid to ask. Now, Joey asked you about drinking, and do you get a lot of flack for that? And I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but from the Catholic point of view, uh, drinking, for, first of all, Presbyterians are big drinkers. They're the ones that will say, hey, to you in the liquor store, as, yeah. as opposed to the Baptists <laughs> is the old adage. But Catholics are even more known for ha- for you know not being that big or that worried about alcohol. Plus, I guess if there's, you know, Catholic Church, as far as you know, sin and scandals and stuff, has a lot bigger fish to fry than than alcohol. So, it does, is it not really that big of a deal? The fact that you're a, a priest or that yeah, you're Catholics involved in, also not a priest, aren't worried if, about um, organized crime or anything like that. <laughs> 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 but is it not that big of a deal that you're a Catholic and you have a show that says you're drunk in it, for instance? Well, it depends. Most people, um, most people who, who, who don't know us or who don't know me, they'll say, oh, man, like you just said a second ago, like you're, the title of your podcast is so great. It sticks out. and We get messages all the time. I just came across this on iTunes because of the name. Um, the funny thing is, though, that the people who have a problem with it are mostly the, pe- the, 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 the Calvinists that I offended by becoming Catholic. And so they'll write blog <laughs> posts or you know, articles and saying, look at, the, you know, look at what he's doing and the mighty have fallen. And we're, we're watching his spiral out of control uh, you know, publicly. And, and there's a you know, measure of glee because they're, they don't listen. They just see the name and they think, yeah. oh, these are right. two guys who just get wasted and ramble incoherently about anything. 
Yeah. Um, and the, the irony about that is, though, I think if I were still in the PCA, if I were still a conservative Presbyterian, um, I would be a hero for doing a podcast with an agnostic that's edgy and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, post, <laughs> and postmodern, you know. Um, so the fact that the fact that I'm getting flack from the the, the sort of Calvinist crowd, it's just because they're pissed. They're pissed off at me because I became a papist. You know, the that's creepiest what it's about. thing being that you identify that there's glee in their tone when they're talking about your spiral. <laughs> that, that's just, oh, I mean, seriously, oh, that's yeah. disturbing. That's and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about, but that, that's disturbing. It, it's Whereas, unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, what's more disturbing, yeah. the fact that you used a shocking term in your podcast name, or the glee they have for your spiral and their ability to call it out. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there's I mean, a couple what, uh, critics we have that uh, get real upset if we ever say the F word. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you should listen to the Bad Christian podcast. They say it all the yeah, time. I <laughs> well, well, I was getting ready to say one. I, I don't understand how Christians can, they're mad that Here comes the, folks. The, the, title, <laughs> the title of your podcast is that, but they fucking worship American Idol. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, you talk about, you know, obviously, like, you guys care about your podcast, and if you were only getting wasted only or, or that, that that was your whole goal then it would fail and it would miserably you know what you know what i mean like it, if it was really like that that's a catchy name and you did that but i mean like people will watch american idol which is just uh, raising somebody to fame because that's that's what we really should be doing rather than just spending time maybe giving it a listen like give the podcast a listen i, I mean I, I, who was on the podcast a while back talking about uh, uh rob bell and he was just like yeah my book you know is the most hated unread book ever yeah. like you know whether you agree with him or not you, you immediately go you know that the, there's this right christian right that just says yeah oh well i understand that just from this alone i read you know i i'll judge a book by its cover and and that's what it'll be and it just it really blows my mind that stuff like that happens well, there's a guy. There's a guy who, uh, who who's mildly obsessed with us. Uh, he's a critic of ours, a critic of mine. Um, but he'll actually listen and live blog every f bomb or every bad <laughs> word um, that we say. Two minute, two minutes and twenty five seconds in, Jason says the f word, and I, I like. I, I want to say to the guy, like, first of all, like, fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and second, but yeah, second of busy. all. It's like what's the what's worse um, saying those four letters in that order as a word or treating people like shit like you do? Yeah, right. Yeah. He spends more of his time focusing on the f word than you do. Like he he's wasting time with the word. Like he's he's infatuated with it or obsessed with it or whatever it might be. As opposed to that's just part of your your dialogue with your friend. You know what I mean? Like that's just it's it's, it's so bizarre to me the things that Christians get hung up on, and that's why if I was ever gonna stop believing in Christianity, it would definitely be because of other Christians. I, I, I do feel like I need a savior. I see the idea of that as being true to me and uh, you know, it, it makes sense to me. But like that, sometimes I get so bummed out with, and I said this a million times, but just like the, we're talking about the God of all creation, that it, everything possible he created, which would be so scientific and mathematical and beautiful and artistic, all this stuff. And, and, and we're really worried about this word we came up with. Yeah, you know what I mean, or the word, or the word drunk. I mean, for instance, I think your t- the, the title of your podcast being a good one. I don't take it to mean. I don't even take it as shock value. I think it it, it says something poetic. Like I don't think it's low yeah. brow 
for instance. But that, that's a, it's a more it's like kind of a complex thing that that you do and have done. It's, you're not shock jocks, and, and neither are we. People accuse us of that, um, but that's just really not what it is. It's there's something creative and artistic about taking something that isn't the most mainstream possible idea and trying to make people understand it or sit with it or see things differently. It's about causing different perceptions and ideas. Otherwise, everything's just the same exact thing. And so it adds complexity to the universe and makes people think. And if people don't understand that that's the the reason behind the title of your podcast, then, I mean, that's super one-dimensional. Yeah, tying it in with with what you were asking before about, you know, Catholics and the idea of Catholics and and alcohol. You know, I think if you have a good incarnational theology, if you have a good theology that respects, um, you know, the Trinity and the incarnation and the sanctification of the physical world by the fact that the Son of God assumed human nature and glorified human nature and ascended into heaven in his humanity to display it in front of the, the angelic hosts. Um, your your Gnostic fear of Earth and your fear of all things physical and created and your fear of matter should disappear. And I think Catholics get that. I think a lot of Protestants get that. Uh, and that's why there's there's maybe there's a time for fasting, but there's a time for feasting too. And the the fruit of the vine is to be enjoyed. Um, you know, this is G.K. Chesterton said, "I I honor God by drinking wine, but I also honor Him by not drinking too much of it." Mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. that's something that a lot of fundamentalists scratch their head at because they don't see any middle ground between abstinence right. and indulgence. Yeah, not yeah, to mention totally. words themselves become changed a ton over time. For instance, the word drunk could mean, uh, you know, drunk driving, for instance, 0.08. That might mean a beer and a half, honestly. Like if I had an IPA and a half, that pro- I might could blow a 0.08. I don't know, but I'm guessing I probably could. And in fact, I would legally be drunk then. But do I think that's the drunk actually is what drunk means or actually is sinful? No, I don't. So now, you know, we, we, they made the legal limit and the definition of the word drunk to have had one sip of alcohol. Then, you know, the, wor- the words and the way we change them, especially once they're adopted by a religious culture and put in this ideology, we even further change the meaning of words all the time. So then when we're bound to a thousand years ago and two thousand years ago meaning of a word, it's not, it doesn't mean the same even if it's translated directly. The words, the words usage has changed a ton. Well, and how ironic yeah. is it that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine at a party and that he was yeah. accused of being a, a wine bibber, which is basically a drunkard, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you have so many Christians these days who, you know, are, are you know, we talk all the time about how Calvary Chapel, the pastor of Calvary Chapel would say that um, he wouldn't buy sparkling cider at the store because he was afraid someone would see him walking out and think he's buying wine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, come on, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard because he drank with sinners. And so, you know, if you're not ever accused of that as a Christian, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I don't like that at all when you you can't do something because what somebody else thinks. Like, that seems like exactly what Jesus didn't do. But That's holding uh, people hostage, yeah. essentially. We don't, uh, I mean, frankly, it would be completely awful to listen to two drunk guys talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. We drink. It, it would be funny one time, but yeah, they would get really sad. It'd be the saddest podcast. <laughs> well, you, you guys. Once in a while, we might drink a little bit more than normal, but, um, you know, it, the name we came up with that we were just like, what are we, who are we? We're ex-pastors. What are we doing? We're drinking. Oh, drunk ex-pastors. Let's call it drunk ex-pastors. Yeah. It's not, we're not you guys talked about a lot of people finding. Uh, kind of a, a home with you guys, y'all talking about things. 
that they've always wanted to talk about. So I just want to tip my hat and say congratulations, especially to you, Christian, for awesome ministry that you guys are doing for the cause of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask job. you, Christian, Christian, are, did, did your parents really like, shit, we fucked up his name. <laughs> like, were they like, damn it, we, we should have went with Kevin. We had Kevin right there, and look what we did. We're dummies. <laughs> They weren't even Christians when they named me. Is the funny thing. So um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. This is a great conversation. Uh, everybody listening here, please check out their podcast. Two X drunk. No, it's just drunk. Ex-pastors. Drunk X pastors, not two X. Okay, drunk X drunk X pastors. Check them out. You guys were awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, guys. I know there's a bunch of people on Twitter who are just. Uh, having an orgasm over our podcast getting together. <laughs> well, thank you. We enjoy having you in our same space and call you contemporaries of, of, with yeah. similar goals to us. Even if you have different beliefs, no problem. Yeah. Pursuit of truth. That's what it's all about. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, have man. A good one. Hey, uh, Godspeed, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jason, you were awesome, man. Be praying for you, dude. <laughs> 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 yeah, really. It, it, this is tough, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your prayers. I mean, having to co-host with this guy, it's a total pain in my ass, but I'm, you know, I'm doing it. He's, he's not still on the line, is he? <laughs> All right. See y'all. All right. You guys have a good one. All right. See All you guys. Right, see ya. Okay. Thank you to the Drunk X Pastors. Yeah. Appreciate it. This guy's been fun, man. Yeah. So I think on that one, you know, again, that's the, the, my main takeaway is I, I'm glad we, that we got to bridge the space a little bit of how, you know, just there's deeper levels of stuff. Everything's not just the overt thing of, oh, you said drunk, that's bad. There's new, right. there's just nuance to, to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the fact that they use that name is, is good. I, it, I'm, it's always I enjoyed interesting that part to me, too, when somebody uh, – had faith and now they don't anymore and just like that idea of what that that looks like that to say the christianese way the journey of that and what that means and that i, I really like it at least that you respect their journey yeah and i i appreciate that they're not it's not fear based like sometimes I feel, i'm scared christians yeah. are all fear based and uh-huh. i got to serve a, a really mean hateful god that's going to send me to hell and like he's just talking about god in a real way and literally and I, I i believe that uh you know if god God can make anybody believe in him if he wants to, but that God is uh, respecting that journey too in some sense. I don't know. I don't How about get too this? Foo-foo, is but. there anybody whose journey you do not respect? What's, who, <laughs> whose journey do you not respect? Most people's, honestly. I don't, I, I'm pretty jerky <laughs> like, What does that, that mean? You said, to respect somebody's journey means you're just saying, hey, well, that's, that's you and that's what you're doing. So I got to like – what would mean to not respect somebody? That's so true, man. It's, 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 just a, it's it, a weird no, phrase. In the, in the church, we have a hard time respecting those people's journeys. Like, So a pastor that we think should be more open about but how sin. Come it's never used. Like, you know what? Here's the thing about him. I just don't respect his journey. Like, right. the, That's how you know it's a weird phrase because it can't be. There's no right. counter to it. There's no uh, converse of it. Like you actually can't disrespect someone's that's journey. That may be one of the things about Christianese is like, right. what, what are the converse of these bizarre statements? <laughs> I, I am not going to pour into you. Yeah, just whatever. I'm going to pour you out. I'm going to Everything I poured in, from pouring I'm pouring in. you out. <laughs> all right. Well, after all that drinking and partying and those crazy oh my gosh, yeah. fools over there, uh, how about some, some more truth? I want you all to respect my truth journey that I'm on. Do y'all respect my truth journey? I do, man. I'm starting to respect this a little bit. In a world where you interview people who don't believe in the Lord and every and you didn't really call them out too tough on it, and you're gonna get lots of emails and hate mail from it. <laughs> My name is Toby Morrell. 
This is the damn news. I love that music, man. Isn't that, in, this is from Australia, right? <laughs> All the Australians kind of knew it. All right, I got a, a kind of just a lighthearted one to start off with today. I thought this was kind of funny. Um, and this is from my, my old friends, the Huffington Post, the HP. Uh, robbery suspect actually put loot in a dollar sign bag. <laughs> <laughs> like a cartoon. And you know what's so funny? So much of my news comes from Washington. Like it, It's really funny, Matt. Like Everybody Washington always makes fun state. of rednecks in South Carolina, and we're hicks, and we're silly. So many dumb criminals are in your state. Well, that should go to show you, <laughs> though, that, that the lower-class people, uh, maybe lower-class whites, white trash, whatever you want to call stuff, I mean, they're, they're, it gets, as soon as you get out of major cities, it, that's everywhere. It's not the South, you know. Washington State robbery suspect told Subway restaurant employees not to do anything funny before he stuffed a sack marked with a dollar sign with cash and stolen property. <laughs> Seriously. David Lingafelter, who was 22 years old, was arrested in Wednesday in Olympia, the, the capital of Washington, when authorities discovered him hiding behind a dumpster near a grocery store. Lingafelter was on the run after he held up a subway, authorities said. Uh, he took the cash and fled the store, taking a blue shopping cart with him. After calling 911, the employee realized her phone was also missing. Police said that the money bag was tied to the front of the suspect's pants, and he was arrested immediately at behind the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was so funny that... Uh, he actually did put the money in the bag. Do you think he had a, a sense of humor about it, or do you think he? I mean, he's just actually yeah, I think that. So. I, I would argue that he has a sense of humor, and that's cool because some criminals can be cool, I yeah. imagine. But the fact that he chose Subway, it just doesn't seem like a good r- robbery. Yeah, so maybe he thought it was it, easy or something, but know. it's just really funny that he actually had a bag with money on and it. And he got I mean, caught pretty easy. Yeah, and too. they show it. And I mean, I, the, our listeners can't see it, but actually. He, he had to Gosh, actually draw so the cool. money sign on there. Yeah. He thought it was funny and cool, or he's badass or anything. So I thought that was kind of a funny story. Uh, I thought this was really interesting um, because the internet is how we even do some of our business, or uh, you know, maybe even most of it. Uh, help the internet's helped our band. It's just done so much. And I thought this was interesting. This tech columnist Dan Tynan, uh, R.I.P. Internet Explorer. Yep, nineteen ninety five to twenty fifteen. Bowing to the inevitable, Microsoft admitted today that it had decided to remove uh, Internet Explorer from life support. However, it will continue to receive tech support through 2016, but and it, uh, I is survived by Windows Office and Microsoft Mouse. Um, at its high Internet Explorer um, dominated the Internet like no other software, accounting mm-hmm. for 95% of all website visits. Mm-hmm. That was in late recent ni- times, mid-90s, however, I guess. Yeah. It, uh, late in, 90s. In recent times, however... Uh, IE's popularity waned thanks to the rise of powerful rivals and a string, long string of security mishaps. Um, but even at the time of Internet Explorer's death, one of one in four web surfers were using it as their browser of choice. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, I mean, Chicken. the computers are, are – it's funny because there's the, the – you know how older generation folk use the computer. That yeah. it, it, it's, they use the computer, but they don't change stuff or stay up or update. That that's one of the traits of of older people and even middle aged people and even people my age is I remember when when new technologies come about it's hard to adopt them because you think oh that's the the new thing that the kids are doing that's right. the, that's the mentality you have so like when Twitter came along I said well that sounds like some girly weird thing that I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna go get on t- the tweet thing whatever that is people are saying yes and so I was slow to get there I was slow to do a lot of stuff and at some point I realized hey wait a second this technology stuff is not going to change. 
it's going to get faster. It's going to get more. Huh. So I urge everybody out there to go out of your way, even if, especially if it's not natural to you, to adopt new things. You don't not. I mean, you know, give it give it a little space. You don't have to be all over all the tech websites. Yeah. But when some when you hear younger people talking about a new technology, don't take that attitude because that's how you wind up being the the really obsolete uh, older person. You ha- you really need to put effort and discipline into staying up on technologies. Yeah. Don't have three operating systems behind. Don't do that. Make yourself th- and think of it as a discipline, not to be cool or hip, right. but just to stay functional. Because if, if I'm right and technology increases more, we, me, our generation that's my age, not the younger, the younger people get it. The younger people continually adopt new technology. But yeah. starting about our age, people that didn't grow up with the internet don't naturally. Right. So I, technology from when my grandma was born until she died changed unbelievable amount. But in the time of my life, if I live to 95, it will be even greater. So we will have the potential to be the most outdated old people ever. Yeah. Like we, we have this, wow, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. in the sense that since the technology will change and we are the last of the old attitude type of people, there's the chance that, oh, a 65-year-old Toby, I mean, it's so far out of it. It'll be worse than when you saw your 65, 70-year-old grandma. So you have to, you must, just like you have to take care of your heart health, your, keep your muscles up as you get old, you have to aggressively adopt new technology. That's unbelievable because my, I mean, I remember my grandpa calling my dad and my dad had to drive three miles down the road to help him with his VCR. Right. And come to but find out. But you'll be way worse than that if you it. take the same attitude that your same, if you have the exact same attitude as your grandpa t- took, as you'll be worse just, off than he golly. was. You'll, you'll be the, the worst of all time. I think we might be the worst uh, employable, like a 60 year old pe- person 30 years from now yeah. will be maybe the least employable person ever. Because I notice it, yeah. uh, sorry for the tirade, but I notice the people that are five and 10 years younger than me that you'd call millennials. Yeah. I don't know what we're, I don't know what our generation's called. We're but the people like X, Dave Powell and Andy that plays bass for us, it, they'll, they'll not, they know the Google, they know the shortcuts, they know, they know what Snapchat is faster than I did. They're only five or six years younger, right. but they grew up in the time when the internet was part of the fabric of learning and yeah. so they they it just it's not hard for them to continually adopt new things have y'all it have is y- for us have y'all ever thought about the unbelievable amount of things that you just take for granted that your kids have no idea like i was watching with william a, one of the classic hulk videos with lou ferrigno yeah. and i had to tell him what the gigantic thing is that he had to his ear with a cord on it and he put it <laughs> down on something. I had to say, I that's a no telephone. Idea. Wow. He was just like, well, what, a telephone? I was just like, yeah, you know how I'm all, you know, yeah. my cell phone in the car? Yeah. He couldn't do that back then. He had to put it right there. And Super if he wanted weird. to talk again, he had to go right back to that spot. It was just like, he could <sighs> not believe insane. it. That's insane. That's just crazy. All right, I got another one real quick. I just thought this was interesting. This comes from NBC. Um, St. Louis, did you hear about this? St. Louis Marathon disqualifying disqualifies woman who crossed finish line first. I thought this is like, I almost thought this was like a joke or I can't believe she did it, but the first woman to cross the finish line of the St. Louis Marathon was disqualified Sunday after officials figured out about 20 minutes later she didn't run the whole course. <laughs> <laughs> she took a shortcut. Kendall Sh- Schler uh, <laughs> clocked two hours and 50 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, but she, she stopped for a photo with six-time Olympic track and field medalist Jackie Joyner-Kersey and quickly disappeared. 
Uh, race officials couldn't find Schler's time going through the course checkpoints, and she did not provide proof of her full participation when asked by an official. On Wednesday, Schler's third-place finish from the 2014 St. Louis Marathon was also annulled. Yes. <laughs> Organizers said she Busted. also crossed the finish line last year without going through the course checkpoints. Schler's Boston Marathon imitation was also taken back. So uh, it, she basically... Stopped, took a picture, by, ran to the side, hopped in a car, went, waited, uh, you know, <laughs> an hour or whatever, and then, oh, okay, it comes running out, and and, and it worked. That she's a cheater. I mean, I'm she, got she got a busted. third place last time. She said, "Well, it worked last time. I got third place. I might win this thing because there's money and prizes and everything." So, I mean, it's just you get a prize. Like there was money yeah. that she didn't get. Like how much do you get? Do you have any idea on that? Uh, I, well, I know that the bridge run in Charleston is like the winner gets. There's a lot of races, so they're not unbelievable. I think it's like fifteen thousand dollars or something. Now, like this that. makes me so sound. First, this makes me sound a bit bitter, but I, I tell you, everybody's into the marathons and the five k and the half this that whatever. Right. I can never understand it because when I see them and they put it on Facebook. I always think to myself, you're, you're pay, you pay yeah. to do them. Yeah. So first of all, paying to do something stinks, especially something that's hard, like running a bunch. Right. So you're paying to do it, and then you're just running on roads that you could run on anyway. Yeah. And it just drives me crazy. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I guess you get a T-shirt or whatever, but you probably right. pay $50 to go run with other people. Y'all could all do that for free. I know so that you're sounds saying like, you could like easily dad, run a marathon for free right now and every take day money you can and have buy. one. Buy way better prizes for yourself. I just, I just don't understand paying to run. Like, oh, I'm going to do 5K. Okay, we'll go. I just can't understand paying for it. Like it's crazy. Personal, you get to be part of it or something. Awesome. But you're not going to win or anything, and nobody even thinks that. Just, I guess it's, it's the camaraderie and all yeah, that stuff. So. But that is a good idea. Like just today, all you runners, go run a marathon and treat yourself to some yeah, awesome go prize. Yeah, dinner, man. Because <laughs> you won. You don't, you don't you, wear you that know. T-shirt. Yeah. What's the farthest y'all ever run? 12. 12 miles? I've ran 11 miles before. Four, six. I don't know. You've never run over like 10 no. miles or anything. No. Never even thought about it. No. You think you could? I mean, I could run four and six, so I guess I could have kept going. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I guess. I, I'm, I'm bad at running. I have terrible knees and all that stuff. So I anyway, collapse. Th that's my news for today. I thought awesome. it was really good. I loved it. I love hearing the truth. I love finding out about criminals and, and bad people and what's going on in the world. So that's cool, Thank man. you so much. Joey, how about telling them who brought this news? Yeah, well, you Who know helped what? us provide the news today? You know what? I, I'm, I'm actually ready to do that. Okay. Um, but I, I need you guys to just cut me some slack with these names, man. Some I love names hearing are hard. names. It's everybody's favorite part. Well, first yeah. of all, I want to... These five people helped us with gas money on our latest tour yep. uh, with Florida. BC we want to thank, thank you for the gas. Andre Pollard. <laughs> they gave us gas. <laughs> thank you people for giving us gas. <laughs> Anthony Savage, Brooke Morris. Man, these are great names. Kanan Crowley <laughs> and Daniel Gilligan. What does that mean? They're great names. They're just easy. So they're, if somebody has like a harder name to pronounce or a foreign yeah, name, they suck. you don't like he it. He's yeah. a pretty nationalist guy. Yeah, you're messed they up, suck. dude. Uh, so the last one was Daniel Gilligan. And then these folks brought to you uh, the improv pastoral interaction uh, brought to you by Toby Morell earlier in this episode. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that. And that's Jason Wild, Jonah Nystrom, Kirsten Odom, Luke Hogland, Scott and Allison Nauer. How would you say K-N-A-U-E-R? Nauer? I, I can't. I don't. I can't. Uh, Twinette Pinkerton and Zachary Joseph Maz. And then lastly, you brought the news. Thank you very much. Louis Eckervaria, Logan Bernice, Jordan Collins, Jeremy Quinos, Francis Tutel, David 
Borges, Chad Katzenberger, Brett Holt, April and Joe Valdez, Aaron Robinson, Jacob Knight, Big and Eric list. Burns. Thank you guys. We love you. Yeah, I think wow. you probably got sixty percent of those right. Thanks, but that's man. good. Yeah. I mean, Thanks I, for I don't know. I can't. Rub. Did you catch Twinette Pinkerton? That's a that's a, cool that's a great last name. Yeah. I mean, no, if I you're, you're named after I the best Weezer out I can't read. Time. I mean, Toby clearly can't read names or locations, and you have a hard time with that. <laughs> I just am glad I don't. Ha- I avoid it because I, I can't do it whatsoever. I have the hardest time sounding out words. I can't really do it. You know the first five presidents? Can you say their names? No. Okay. George Washington. Yeah. John Adams. Uh, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, and John I, Quincy and Adams. I don't know the Bill Naismith. Yeah, the fourth one is John, uh, Quincy, John Quincy. I don't know the fifth one. Bill fifth. Stevenson, I think. Bill, yeah, that's it. Awesome. That's it. All right. Well, hey, you guys, make sure we started a Facebook page too, right? Yeah, we sure did. You know, I mean, with the BC Club, you guys have asked uh, for about a year, how can can we help? How can we help? And a lot of you were talking monetarily. And so we we were like, my gosh, I can't believe people are, are actually wanting to do that. So, you know... Most people that are giving, you're giving because you want to support us, not for these gifts, but you do get monthly. All, all BC Club gets monthly digital gifts, uh, messages from us. You get a chance to interact on a BC Club Facebook page where Matt, Toby, and I go in there and uh, interact as well. But man, I tell you what, for, for $14 a month, you get all the BC music for free. And that means the new Emory, man. Oh, that's you right. Can go so ahead join and now up. because yeah. this yeah. one is too late. It's too late. So if you want to get the new Emory album, uh, you might even get it early. Abandoned we'll Kansas. I mean, yeah. just everything. Please do that. It's a good way to support both Emory and the Bad Christian. That's right. Podcast. So check out our Facebook page. We did have, we actually did have an Instagram page, but Joey took a selfie and it crashed Instagram. It cra- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> in order sorry. for Joey to take a selfie, he has to use Google Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>